Welcome to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. This is Karen. And this is Kathy. Today in this episode, we will be discussing episode 46 and 47 of Hou Gong Jin Huan Zhuan, or Empresses in the Palace. The drama is on YouTube for those of you who would like to follow along. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at chasingdramaspodcast at gmail.com. Last episode, our main character, Jin Huan, birthed a daughter, but was also utterly devastated after discovering the truth about her relationship with her husband, the emperor. The emperor viewed Jin Huan as nothing more than a replacement for his first wife. Heartbroken, Jin Huan, who was actually very much in love with the emperor at the time, requests to leave the imperial harem right after she birthed her daughter, which the emperor permits. As a concubine to the emperor, there aren't many options for her to go and decides to live in a Buddhist nunnery, Gan Lu Si, as a nun. Where is this Gan Lu Si nunnery? What is it? We will talk about that later on in the episode. The last podcast episode, we titled it The Death of Jin Huan. Well, this is the start of Jin Huan's new life as a nun. To be very honest, these are probably some of the least interesting episodes uh, in the drama. I think most people will agree to this and feel this way. When I'm rewatching the drama, I usually stop after Hua Fei dies in episode 42 and then skip to when, spoiler alert, Jin Huan leaves the nunnery. We start episode 46 with Jin Huan tearfully assigning her maids and eunuchs to different palaces. Surprisingly, her maid and also half-sister, Huan Bi, and the older maid, Jin Xi, decide to accompany her to the nunnery. Say what you will about Huan Bi, and we all know that Kathy isn't a huge fan of Huan Bi, but at least she decides to go to the nunnery with Jin Huan, which is not going to be pleasant. That shows at least some type of loyalty. Jin Huan leaves her daughter to be raised by the kind Jing Fei. The only two people who see them off are Jin Huan's good friends, Shen Meizhuang, and the imperial doctor, Wen Shichu. It is quite a touching scene. We also find out that Jin Huan's father is alive and well enough, even though the family has been exiled to the north. Jin Huan, Huan Bi, and Jin Xi arrive at the nunnery and are greeted by the Order of Nuns. The abbess seems to be a kind enough woman, but bluntly tells the ladies that they are now at the nunnery. They must leave all earthly desires behind. Jin Huan is also given a new name, Mo Chou, which literally means do not worry. She is now a nun who is able to keep her hair, something we will talk about later on, and her name is now Mo Chou. Jin Huan no longer exists. A sour-looking nun, Jing Bai, leads the ladies to their living quarters, which turns out to be a shabby and deserted shack. This is a far cry from the luxuries and splendors of the Imperial Palace. They face their first trial shortly after arriving. Jin Huan starts suffering from cramps due to her recent birth, 
and her maid Jingxi tries to ask for some brown sugar to help soothe the pain. But these nuns are not very generous. They instead ignore Jingxi and dismiss her. This is very counter to how nuns are supposed to behave. Nuns are supposed to be super nice. Well, there is at least one nice soul in the nunnery, Mo Yan, which means do not talk. This grouchy nun barges in and gives Jinhuan a bag of brown sugar, but she says this is just to keep Jinxi from bothering everybody else. Jinhuan realizes that life in this nunnery is going to be very tough. Not just in a living in a nunnery type life is going to be tough, but people are going to be pretty terrible to her. Back at the palace, the Empress Huang Hou is playing with Jin Huan's daughter. The princess's title is Long Yue or Hazy Moon. Let's pause for a second. Huang Hou, you are the one who created this whole situation. How can you just be playing with the child? Okay, now we know exactly how. A, the empress knows how to play the devoted wife in front of the emperor. And B, this princess is just a princess. She is no threat to the empress. While playing with the princess, the empress seizes this opportunity to solidify her faction within the imperial harem. The emperor wants to promote other women in the imperial harem because he has stripped Jin Huan of her titles. The emperor wants to promote Shen Meizhuang, but the empress subtly belittles Shen Meizhuang, specifically highlighting her ties to Jin Huan. The emperor is still very salty about the whole situation with Jin Huan, so he agrees with the empress's decision. Only Qi Guiren gets promoted from a noble lady to a concubine or a pin. This Qi Guiren is on team Huang Hou or on the team of the Empress. There are a couple of scenes showing the abuse that Jin Huan experiences in the nunnery while the Empress is living her life in the palace. She doesn't have much to worry about in the palace. Everything is going to plan. I guess in her boredom, the Empress Huang Hou gets this brilliant idea when she chats with the Empress Dowager Tai Hou. She says that there is frost in the south, which could damage the next year's harvest. Tai Ho tells Huang Ho, the empress, that the emperor wanted all of the women in the imperial harem to pray to the gods for a good harvest. Well, why not pray right at the nunnery where Jin Huan is currently banished? It's holy enough. I feel like you can hear a mohahaha from the empress. Well, beyond just gloating, the Empress has another reason for wanting to do this. In her own palace, the Empress divulges the real reason as to why she wants to bring the Imperial Harem to pray at this specific nunnery. Her own posse of uh, women comprised of An Ningzhong, who is now An Pin, and Qi Pin, are waiting for her in the Empress's palace. As the Empress puts it, the Emperor is still not over Jin Huan, despite her banishment. The Empress points to a couple of examples, 
his devotion towards the young princess, his dismissal of the older maid Fang Ruo because she had ties to Jin Huan, and his coldness towards Shimei Zhuang for the same reason. The empress is worried that Jin Huan might have a comeback. She needs to personally see Jin Huan's current state to be sure that her own position is safe. This woman is always calculating. At the end of this conversation, the Empress Huang Ko also gifts Qi Pin a red jade necklace, but curiously doesn't gift anything to An Lingrong. An Lingrong makes a comment on its peculiar smell. Hint, hint. Anytime something smells wrong in this drama, there's something wrong with it. We know An Lingrong is a jealous type, but why doesn't she get too disappointed for not getting this gift? We'll see this in future episodes. It's already been three months since Jin Huan has left. Her good friend Shen Meizhuang is worried about her, so she sends the imperial doctor Wen Shichu on a trip to visit Jin Huan. The good doctor is、uh, how should I say it? Stunned by what he sees at the nunnery. Jin Huan is doing chores with the rest of the women. What's worse, Jin Huan also has chilblains. Which are small lesions caused by inflammation from exposure to the cold air. Not just her, but Huan Bi and Jin Xi too. There's not much the doctor can do but give them whatever medicine he has. Life continues to be basically terrible at the nunnery. The nasty nun Jing Bai must have a vendetta or something against Jin Huan, because she orders Jin Huan to wipe all the floors in the main hall. The other nuns gossip and belittle her. Again, shouldn't this place be like a place of Zen and of prayer? Why are all of these nuns gossiping? As Jin Huan is wiping the floors, a surprise visitor shows up. Why, it is the seventeenth prince Guo Junwang. We haven't seen him in a few episodes, and we find out why. The two have a chat at a nearby river. The seventeenth prince was banished to the city of Shengjing, or modern-day Shenyang, for speaking up for Jin Huan's father, and he has now only just returned. He actually has a gift for her, a painting of her daughter, Jingfei, and Shen Meizhuang. This is actually very touching and extremely thoughtful. But that's not all. He's even brought materials for Jin Huan to make clothes. For her daughter's first birthday, I think this is like really early, but whatever. We'll give him props. He's thought of everything, including the princess's measurements. I can't really tell exactly how much time has passed, but、uh, for the princess's first birthday, it must mean that Jin Huan has been at the nunnery for several months already. Well, now it is time for the ladies of the imperial harem to pray at the nunnery. Every concubine from the imperial harem arrives. Jin Huan, for better or worse, is still stuck wiping the floor. The episode ends on a sort of cliffhanger. How will the ladies react to seeing each other after so long? Let's dive right into episode forty-seven. The interaction doesn't go too well. Jin Huan gets humiliated and stepped on, quite literally, by the loathsome Qi Pin. Ugh! The empress and her posse just lay on the insults. 
The nasty nun Jing Bai doesn't help either. She declares to all that Chen Huan is just a common nun. She does all the chores, and an accidental step on the fingers isn't a big deal. She actually says that. Like, what? The Empress, in her serene but pretentious way, just states, Jin Huan is the same as the other nuns. She should be treated as such. Basically, Huang Ke, the Empress, is just implicitly allowing the other nuns to continue their horrendous treatment towards Jin Huan. Shen Meizhuang, the amazing friend that she is, steps up to Jin Huan to try to help. Jin Huan is the mother of a princess. She deserves better treatment. This does not go over well with Tipin nor the Empress. The Empress just simply states that everyone has their own position in life. A commoner cannot compare to an imperial concubine. Know your position. You have stepped out of position today. You will be punished to pray at this temple for the rest of the day. So, Shemei Zhuang is left kneeling on the ground to stay the rest of the day with Jin Huan. But she is an amazing person and does just that. Back at the palace, the Empress is very pleased with the tone of events for the day. She sees with her own eyes that Jin Huan is no longer a threat to anyone. It's the Emperor who still can't leave anything behind. Now it's finally time to gloat. She orders Qi Pin and An Lingrong to focus on maintaining favor with the Emperor. We also find out that Qi Pin has been bribing or instructing the nasty nun Jing Bai to be horrible to Jin Huan, which answers the question of why is Jing Bai so terrible? Despite her punishment during the day, Shen Meizhuang still tends to the Empress Dowager Tai Hou. The Empress Dowager heard of what happened during the day and agrees that the Empress's actions were a bit out of line. Shen Meizhuang begs the Empress Dowager to help Jin Huan's situation. We've said time and again that the Empress Dowager is a shrewd and calculating woman. She at first hesitates, but I think what truly sways the Empress Dowager into agreeing is hearing Shen Meizhuang's true devotion to Jin Huan. This type of friendship is rare in the Imperial Harem. That and also Shen Meizhuang's framing of the princess's situation. A princess should not have a mother treated in such a manner. The Empress Dowager agrees to do something, but she then turns her attention towards Shen Meizhuang's own favor with the emperor. Shen Meizhuang does not care for it. She actually requests to move to Sui Yuxuan, Jin Huan's old quarters. This is basically a death sentence for her own prospects of favor, but she doesn't mind. The Empress Dowager sighs, but also agrees to this request. Time flies by. It is already the princess's first birthday. Jin Huan has completed her gift for her daughter and meets the 17th Prince Guo Wang on the appointed day. The 17th Prince is, um really flirting with Jin Huan, but Jin Huan is either oblivious to this or too jaded now to care. She basically shuts him down. On her return to where she's living in the nunnery, 
Jin Hwan is quite excited to see a surprise visitor. It's none other than the senior maid, Fang Zhuo. This maid now serves the Empress Dowager. Fang Zhuo brings some gifts and medicinal supplies from Shi Meizhuang and the Empress Dowager. She also shares the news that the palace is preparing a grand celebration for the princess's first birthday. Jin Huan is obviously very happy to hear this. In the meantime, Jin Huan also asks who still keeps the Empress Chun Yuan's belongings. Fang Ruo, the maid, tells Jin Huan that the vast majority of those belongings are with the Emperor then the Empress, and a few are with the Empress Dowager. The Empress Chunyuan had a favored jade collar necklace that was gifted to her for her wedding night. Upon hearing this, Jinhuan makes a request of her own. She asks the maid, Fang Zhuo, to have artisans in the Imperial Palace make a similar collar necklace out of jade for the princess to wear during her birthday. The maid agrees. Even in exile, Jin Huan is planning for her daughter's future. Since she can't do much, the few things she can do is to suffer the terrible treatment from the other nuns in order to loosen the wariness from those in the palace towards the princess. If Jin Huan remains harmless, no one will place their attention towards the princess. Jin Huan knows full well that the princess must rely on her father's favor for any position in the imperial harem. So, Jin Huan asks for the artisan to make a similar colored necklace for the princess because now she knows how much weight the emperor puts on things related to Empress Chunyuan. Jin Huan is hoping that the collar necklace will stir pleasant memories about the Empress Chunyuan for the emperor, and if the princess wears that necklace, the emperor in turn will favor the princess. At least now, Jin Huan knows the key, so to speak, to the emperor's heart. His secrets have been revealed to Jin Huan, so she knows how to manage his attention. Before the maid leaves, she announces quite loudly for the other nuns spying outside to hear that she, the maid, will return monthly for copies of Buddhist scriptures, as requested by none other than the Empress Dowager. This request acts as a shield for Jin Huan. If someone from the palace comes monthly from the Empress Dowager's palace, no less, then other people both at the nunnery and the palace can't literally kill Jin Huan or torture her too badly. This is all by the grace of the Empress Dowager, a simple request that is nonetheless very effective. It's not like the Empress Dowager actually cares about those Buddhist scriptures, but it is just a way to say, you know, if Jin Huan is not healthy enough to write these, then I will be very upset. Well, it's time for the Princess Longyue's birthday. She does indeed have a jade collar necklace on, and you can really tell that Jingfei is a devoted mother. The emperor arrives, and he immediately notices that jade collar necklace. Jingfei quickly states that she was the one who asked artisans to make it for the princess. The emperor isn't angered. He merely states that it looks familiar. The kind Duanfei chimes in with the exact words to help the princess. She says the late empress Chunyuan had a similar one, 
but Tim Fei entered the harem late, so she couldn't have seen it. There are many layers to the statement. Number one, Duan Fei is invoking the memory of Chun Yuan, so it is top of mind for the emperor. And two, she's protecting Qing Fei from being accused of purposefully copying Chun Yuan. Jin Huan was severely punished earlier for accidentally wearing a robe of Chun Yuan. Duan Fei didn't want Qing Fei to be reprimanded for it in this situation. The emperor doesn't suspect a thing and actually gifts his daughter the necklace from the late Empress Chun Yuan. This is even better than what Jin Huan could have hoped for. This necklace will be what we call a talisman for the princess. If ever the emperor gets mad at his daughter, if she's wearing the necklace, he might think twice about any punishment. Very effective, don't you think? What else happens in this episode? There are two major storylines. First, on his way back from the princess's birthday festivities, the emperor passes by Sui Yuxuan, the palace where Jin Huan used to live. He's surprised to see his own son, the unfavored fourth prince, waiting outside. He asks his son what he's doing outside of the palace, and the fourth prince explains that Jin Huan was always kind to him when he was young, telling him to read and focus on his studies in order to be a good son. The emperor hears of Jin Huan's kindness towards the son and decides to enter the palace. The emperor is quite saddened to see that Jin Huan left almost everything that he had given her. Clearly, he is upset she's gone and is still not over her. The second storyline is that Jin Huan meets a kind-looking nun who turns out to be none other than Shu Taifei, a concubine to the previous emperor Kangxi and, as fate would have it, the mother of the 17th prince Guo Junwang. Jin Huan and this woman are both women from the imperial harem who have left the palace to live out their lives as nuns. Jin Huan actually has her Chinese instrument, the Gu Qin, called Chang Xiang Si, that used to be owned by this Shu Taifei. Jin Huan accidentally broke it earlier in this episode, but was able to bring it to this Shu Taifei in order to fix the instrument. Who happens to be with his mother when Jin Huan comes to visit? Why, of course, it is the 17th prince. Lots of conversation ensues, primarily around trying to find Huan Bi a husband. The 17th prince thinks that Huan Bi would be good with his servant A Jin since they get along very well, but Huan Bi is like, nope, not impressed. It's getting more and more obvious to everyone that the 17th prince is interested in Jin Huan. He even calls her Huang Er, a very intimate nickname. Huan Bi warns Jin Huan of the 17th prince's affections towards her. This man is the younger brother to her husband. That's definitely taboo, don't you think? Jin Huan flatly states that they are just zhiji, or confidants. The episode ends with the 17th prince's servant delivering the news that the empress dowager is looking to find a wife for the 17th prince. Jin Huan says that she's happy for him, but this is not what the servant wants to hear. He asks her, does she truly not know who the 17th prince wants for his wife? Buddy, you gotta stop. This is a very dangerous topic. 
Well, that's the recap for these two episodes. Stuff happens, but not really, so things just are chugging along. I will compare these episodes to the training montage in the movie The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, remember when Batman gets thrown into the pit by Bane? His back is also broken by Bane. Um, this is kind of, him in the pit is basically Jin Huan right now. Bane is wreaking havoc in Gotham, and we have the Empress wreaking havoc in the Imperial Harem. So those are that comparison. And right now we are going to have to see Jin Huan struggle to get out of the so-called pit. That's, that's, that's the comparison that I have when I was watching this, these scenes. This podcast episode will be light on analysis, but nonetheless, we have some things to discuss. We will focus on the nunnery and Jin Huan's new life as a nun. Since we are watching a Chinese drama, the discussion we have here will be focused on Chinese nuns. Women in the Imperial Harem leaving to become nuns is not unheard of. It is a potential option for women when their husband, the emperor, dies, but this option in the Qing Dynasty is extremely rare. The alternatives were Xunzang, which means you are sacrificed and buried with the emperor. The Chinese were very superstitious in ancient times, and emperors wanted to have a large posse of people with them in the afterlife. So the women were generally all killed and uh, forced to be buried with their husband. The methods of sacrifice varied. I guess the nicer ones are that you're poisoned or some eunuchs come with white linen to strangle you. So it's just your body that uh, gets dumped into the pit. Others were more gruesome, such as burying the women alive. The practice of Xunzang differed in each dynasty, and it was actually banned in the Ming Dynasty, the dynasty before this one, but was reintroduced in the early uh, reigns during the Qing Dynasty. The practice of human sacrifice, or Xunzang, was finally banned by the current emperor's father, Kangxi in the 1670s. The other alternative is that you live in another palace in the Forbidden Palace. In the Qing Dynasty, this meant living in the northwest quarters of the Forbidden Palace. The Empress Dowager occupies the biggest palace with the biggest allowance. A female's rank after the death of her husband depended on her rank while he was alive, her issue her family's position at court, and ultimately what the current emperor decided to give you. The title includes the word Tai, or what we would call dowager. During the reign of this emperor, Yongzheng, anything below a Changzai, or a first-class female attendant, would not be granted a dowager title. Life as a dowager in the imperial harem was often pretty tough. They were often neglected, had little allowance or political influence, especially if you had no sons. For many women, this meant a meaningless life as they could not remarry or leave the imperial harem. Those were two options. 
Again, it is not unheard of for women to also become nuns, but this was much less uh, common in the Qing Dynasty. Other dynasties have different traditions, and we may talk about them in uh, other episodes for other dramas. Back to the nunnery, when you decide to become a nun, the biggest physical change you have is that you cut off all of your hair. You shave your hair. This is part of the ritual to become a monk or a nun. In Chinese, the term is called chu jia. Jin Huan, surprisingly, is allowed to keep her hair, as does her maids, but they are now considered nuns. The other change is that their names also are changed. Once you become a nun or are ordained as a nun, you are given a Dharma name, or in Chinese, a Fa Hao. Generally, the names are based by generation depending on when you became a nun. As a nun, you are supposed to study Buddhist scripture, pray, and strip yourself of the earthly world you once knew. You are to be vegetarian, cannot drink alcohol, and cannot marry. In general, you are to do acts of good as a Buddhist nun. That is why the fact that there are many nuns bullying and abusing Jinhuan, now known as Chou, is very surprising. These women are supposed to be kind-hearted, especially as nuns, but that is clearly not the case. Finally, I also want to speak briefly about the location of this temple where Jin Huan now lives. The temple that is mentioned in the drama, Gan Lu Si, does not actually exist in Beijing. This name is the name of the temple as described in the book Jin Huan Zhuan. Remember that this drama is largely based on this book. The filming location of the temple for this drama is actually a temple called Jie Tai Si. The temple was first built in 622 during the Tang Dynasty and has since had renovations in the Ming and Qing Dynasties. The fact that this was built in what is now modern-day Beijing is quite interesting to me because the capital city during the Tang Dynasty was not in Beijing but rather modern-day Xi'an. The ordination altar in this temple is one of the three largest in the country, and this temple welcomes many tourists each year. Huh, that's pretty cool. Uh, have you ever been to a nunnery or a, a Buddhist temple with nuns? I've been to quite a few temples with monks in China, uh, went to one in Hangzhou. And basically you can go pray at quite a few of the temples, but I, have not, I don't think I've been to a nunnery and seen nuns. Well, that is it for today's episode, discussing episode 46 and 47 of Empresses in the Palace. The next few episodes, we will see the affections of the 17th Prince on full display. Please email us at chasingdramaspodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments, and we will catch you in the next episode.